0: Hello there, and welcome to episode seven of Right You Are with me, John Payne. Uh, I've not, I've just noticed I've not recorded one of these things for uh, quite a while, uh, over a month, uh, nearly two months. So sorry about that. Uh, I just want to give a big shout out to uh, my, my friend Steve Meadows, uh, who's. Always listening to my podcasts and on his way home from work, and I uh, really appreciate the, um, the support, Steve, thanks, and I uh, hope this one's a good one for you. Um, I'm going to read out in the next chapter of the Badger Helper Watcher, the, the first draft, um, but in, in, a, in a minute. But uh, just thought I catch you up on uh, what I've been doing, um, I've been doing. Yeah, obviously, yeah, we're all still in uh, lockdown. It's, terrible coronavirus uh, pandemic situation, so, I mean, some days, it's, yeah, you, you don't feel like doing anything, do you? Uh, you, know, you wish you could go out somewhere. I particularly miss Martin Mia. me and my girlfriend. Uh, we go there quite a lot, usually. There and it's, it's nice to get out and um, you obviously see the, the birds and the ducks and uh, all, all the different animals there. They're uh, quite relaxing and therapeutic when, when we go there and uh, then you get the bill from the cafe. Oh yeah, i was joking. Um, yeah, it's a good way of unwinding, going down to old Martinmere near Bursko and Rufford. Um, yeah so we missed that uh, but also writing's therapeutic as well so I didn't do any proper writing for quite a while when the lockdown started I uh, I was typing up some old work which is still writing isn't it but uh, yeah I was typing up the uh, Badger Helper Watcher uh, the, the rest of the chapters that I've written and uh, Yeah, that was good. I've not done that for a while now because uh, I've been working on some new writing. so A sequel to a book that's out there on Amazon, if you're interested, called uh, Bright Future. It's a sci-fi story about a guy that's been um, punished for um, killing, in inverted commas, uh, an android. or I call them in the story Mecha-Humans, I think. Um, Yeah, he's been sent to the to be um, burnt up in the sun. Um, that's punished. So, Well, the cards kind of make a really extreme example of him. So, no one actually um, kills a, a mecha human again, even though it was accidental. Um, uh, it's all from his point of view. Will Cooper, the main character, all from his point of view. And I won't give away the ending but um, somehow I've managed to figure out a sequel to it and I'm planning on doing uh, two sequels making it into a trilogy called the uh, the Future Delusion Trilogy uh, kind of I'm drawing inspiration from um, Richard Dawkins The God Delusion just the title of The God Delusion so the future delusion kind of like a, a grim view of the future And uh, there is hope in it as well. I'm writing a a sequel, as I said. Uh, Working title, which I think I'm going to go with as an actual title. It's called uh, Falling. And it's it's set about 40 years after the events of Bright Future. Uh, It centres around a uh, 16, I think she's 16, year old girl, uh, teenager, and... She's trying to remain hopeful that there is some kind of, no, hope <laughs> for the future. Uh, everyone, uh, I suppose I've driven inspiration from um, the current situation where no one's supposed to be going out uh, as much as possible. You know, you've got to go to work, you have some key workers, I'm a key worker, work in a shop. Uh, we've got to go out, but when we're not at work, we're supposed to stay in at the moment Um, obviously so yeah, in the future uh, 40 years, it's after the bright future um, everyone's basically stuck inside because the water levels are rising and everyone lives in these tall tower blocks and each year they add a floor to try and but people survive and uh, yeah obviously this girl uh, she's called uh, Nia yeah, it's quite futuristic down in the foot is um, she stood on top of her building staring out at the sea because there's not much else she can see and uh, she bumps into a fella who So swe- there's a sort of a double meaning falling as in it's kind of like a, a metaphor of a, Um, you know everyone's sort of feeling like they are falling in a sort of depressing way and no one knows where they're going they're just sort of sorry it's quite early when I'm recording this and I've got a bit of hay fever so it's a bit hard to think but um, yeah it's a metaphor basically for people feeling down all the time basically Uh, but it's also a thing that's become a, in a, way a pandemic in a way as well. Um, people don't see any future, so this is quite depressing. This bit actually, but a lot of people just jump off the buildings, these tall tower blocks, because they don't see any way forward. There's everyone stuck in the homes with virtual reality taking them to different places, but a lot of people feel so depressed when they come out of the virtual reality that they realise that there's no other way out and Nia doesn't want to believe this she's an optimist and she wants to see some hope somewhere and she bumps into this guy his name at the moment is Tech as in T-E-C-H and he seems when she meets him the first time he doesn't seem like someone that wants to jump off a building. He seems quite humorous but cynical at the same time. And she wants to help him and he becomes a sort of pet project for her. To, she goes about finding things, finds stories of hope for him to read to him each night. And this sort of forms a bond between them. And That's where I'm up to at the moment. She's... Looking up stories on the internet to read them, to and, and you'll get a bit closer to them, and convince them that life is worth living. And there's sort of a global conspiracy going on there that will sort of emerge as I carry on writing the first draft. Anyway, that's what I'm uh, up to at the moment. I've been doing a bit of cartooning as well, and uh, hope you'll manage to keep busy during the lockdown. Fine. Uh, new hobbies and things, a lot of people are taking up new hobbies. I've been trying to, is that also writing? Um, Learn the guitar, I mean I I play the guitar anyway, but I've been trying to um, get to know the fretboard a bit better, and I've put a great book called um, 24 Hours to Learn the Fretboard, and you sort of some memory techniques, for example... um, to remember the names of the strings the author's got a great um, mnemonic which is um, well there's a couple of them actually it's uh, Ernie 8 Dynamite Goodbye Ernie so it's E-A-D G-B-E that's the names of the strings on the guitar and there's also uh, even amateurs uh, do get better eventually that's it so there you go. That's what I've been up to. Now, I'm going to read the uh, the latest chapter in the Badger Helper Watcher, which is um, chapter four, I think. Let's see. Yeah, chapter four. Here we go. The Badger Helper Watcher, chapter four. Or Ruff's Silence. I've changed, uh, sorry this is a side note, I've changed uh, Rolf's name to Ruff because of uh, a famous person called Rolf, but I'm not sure, I might I might change it um, to Ronnie Barker, or Ronnie, but I don't know, because uh, of the dog aspect. Anyway, sorry, this is chapter four. One of the other features that makes Valley Vale unique is its hill. Now I know when you first read that it will hold no wonder for you whatsoever. And you're probably closing the book right now and reaching for the remote control, but don't. I'll tell you why. This hill looks as though it has no place in the town. It's as if someone has just dropped it there by accident on the way to a more fitting place like somewhere that has an abundance of hills, and yet is still missing that one special hill to really set it off and make it a really must-see tourist attraction. Sam couldn't believe it when he saw it. It was starting to get a little dark as he approached in the car after their lengthy encounter with the newly christened Bob the Bobby, but even with the night descending over it, the hill still stood out. Now, to you and I, a hill might not seem like such an amazing thing, In fact, I'm pretty sure I must see hills all the time, wherever I go in my daily routine, and I don't so much as bat an eyelid. I just accept it as part of the landscape, but to Sam, who had lived in flat old dead-endville for his whole life, this was a dream come true. Just try to imagine the flattest plank of wood you can, with no splinters or dodgy nails sticking out of it. Now, sand it down a bit more in your mind, and you might be close, To how flat Dead Endville is. It's all on one level and no one can be bothered to do anything about it. Even the local cinema, which is a bit of a flea pit anyway, is completely flat so you can imagine how that would affect the uh, seating arrangements. All the tall people are made to sit at the back and the shorter people at the front. This is really quite annoying for Ralph Lancaster the shortest man in town, and Jessica Token, the tallest woman in town, who have been going out for a couple of years now. They always have to wait for the films to be released on video or DVD. Sam had, of course, seen Hills before when he'd been on family holidays to Wales, but to actually live on one. Well, as I mentioned before, this was a dream come true for him. When his parents had first told him that they'd be living on a hill, they seemed a little glimmer, They seemed a little glum about it, for some reason, but Sam couldn't think of anything better than getting up at the crack of dawn and rollerblading down the hill, dodging all the traffic and pedestrians, and jumping through the window of his classroom, finally landing at his desk. It would almost make school seem like it was worth turning up for. Almost. Then, as if to try and gently snap Sam out of his rollerblading fantasy, the hill started started to height up, one tiny section at a time. Look at all those houses, Sam, Sam's dad responded. There's loads of them. Yeah, Sam said without even thinking about it. But then he realised, he'd been so hypnotised by all the tiny heights appearing, like his very own small section of space, he'd forgotten that they must be coming from all the houses that were on the hill, and there were so many of them. "'Everyone in the town must live on that hill,' Sam's mum said, "'slightly more awestruck than usual.' "'Yes, including us, honey,' replied Sam's dad, fed up and staring at his shoes. Sam didn't hear him, though. He was too lost in looking up, trying to see to the very top of the hill. He just about managed it, but if it had been much darker, and if they weren't going at the speed of snail, as it had been known on the fifty-mile journey— that had taken nearly five hours, thanks to the tractor that was still in front of them, he probably wouldn't have been able to. Just a side note here. I think I'm going to change that a bit about um, the five-hour car journey. This, in in the final novel, it's I'm not sure, but I think Valley Vale is going to be sort of... It's going to be kind of ambiguous as to where it is. So the car journey, being 50 miles, I probably just... Keep that vague and say, you know, the long car journey or something like that. In my experience, it's best to keep things vague until you're ready to, re, you know, for the big reveal kind of thing. So uh, it might, yeah, you know, the location it might be on an island or it might be on a, a very isolated part of the country, and because people are so you know, reliant on sat nav now. Maybe whoever's behind the whole Valley Vale project would be able to uh, keep it off the sat navs and off the maps and stuff so no one accidentally finds it. Anyway, uh, back to the story. Um, let's see, just see where I'm at. Oh, here we go. Rough, rough, rough. Ruff. ruff suddenly started barking again and scratching at the glass of his window. Okay, okay, Rolf. Uh, Sorry, Ruff, you'll get your waffles in a few minutes. We're nearly there, boy. Sam's mum tried to comfort the crazy dog, but for once, waffle promises weren't doing the trick. I think it's something else, mum. What's wrong, mate? Sam said, stroking his best friend under the chin. Suddenly, Ruff stopped barking and scratching at the window, and Sam thought that the old chin scratch trick had worked. ''Hey, look at that,'' said Sam's dad, sounding very surprised and taken aback. ''There's another hill right over there.'' He pointed towards where Ruff had been barking, and sure enough, there was another hill. Well, in actual fact, it was more like a mountain. It was so big. Sorry for not mentioning it when I told you about the original hill, but I thought I'd surprise you with it, the way Sam was. Now that all the lights on the first hill had been switched on, it was a bit clearer, and it seemed odd to everyone that they hadn't noticed it before. Sam's mum reasoned that the spectacle of the original hill had distracted them, and this new hill, which was more like a mountain, I said that already, I'll cut that, directly facing it, wasn't much to look at anyway. Slightly like further set back from the road than the original, with the remains of what looked like rusty gates and weeds growing everywhere, it definitely was not much to look at. Yet Sam was quite intrigued. And he wasn't sure whether it was a trick of the light or just tiredness. But it looked as though it looked as if everything on the hill was black and white. Like one of those boring old films that his gran and granddad always insisted on him watching every Christmas. He tried to see to the top of the hill, but by now, even with the light from the houses on the nice hill, it was too dark to see all the way up there. In fact, It seemed like even if it was the sunniest day on record, in in the sunniest summer on record, it would still be pitch black up there. I thought it gave Sam a chill. Then he noticed something odd about Ruff. He was staring upwards, really intently, as if there was a giant golden waffle on top of the gigantic hill, and for all Sam knew, there could have been. The odd thing was that Sam never just stopped and... Put the wrong name in there. The odd thing was that Ruff never just stopped and stared at things. Whenever he wasn't asleep, Rolf was always barking or drooling or licking Sam's face. It was as if he was thinking. I wonder why no one lives on that hill, Sam's mum broke the silence. It must be at least three times as high as the other hill what if she or anyone else in the car had seen what Rolf had seen that question would never have been asked and there you go that was uh, chapter 4 of um, my work in progress Um, the badger helper watcher sorry hay fever's starting to get to me um, yeah, chapter five is next. I'm gonna try and keep this up a bit better. I'll, I'll do another one in a few days' time. Uh, yeah, chapter five. The subtitle for chapter five. I quite, I like this chapter actually. Uh, Ms minims musical extravaganza efforts. Uh, basically, in which she um, I've described how she introduces new children to the school. So uh, stay tuned for that. And. Um, I just want to say uh, another big thank you to uh, Steve Meadows uh, for, for his support listening to these podcasts and just for being uh, you know, a great bloke you, know, you are Steve because I see you in the um, he works in the pharmacy in the supermarket that I work at and you know obviously at the moment there must be so many people going down there with problems and stuff and you know, it never never seems to get you down to so just wanted to say how much I appreciate that You're a great guy anyway that's it and I'll, um, I'm going to read the the next chapter of A uh, Fifth Visitor uh, later on I think in the day. I'm, I'm, in, I'm in work later but um <clears throat> my voice is a bit sore from all that reading now so uh, I'll probably record it a bit later on um, yeah, A Fifth Visitor or How Scrooge Kept Christmas that was the book that's uh, I published on Amazon uh, last Christmas So I've got a bit behind with that as well so I'm, I'm going to uh, catch up with that so uh, tune in for that, keep an eye out for it anyway, that's it for this episode and I'll see you next time bye